it was funny because I was editing that and Dan was like half asleep on my like next to me on the couch and he's like she keeps guessing four point <laughs> I'm like she didn't want to play the game. Why didn't she just say she didn't want to play the game? I wanted to play the game. I just honestly could not come up with numbers. <laughs> Other than $4.6 million. Dollars. It's like, she keeps guessing. That's why I was like, in one of the captions, I was like, the answer is never $4.6 <laughs> I thought it was a reasonable guess for all of them. <laughs> so you can tell Dan to stuff it. <laughs> no, no. It's like he's just, he was like half asleep going, she keeps... <laughs> guessing 4.6 but it's like I didn't even notice that <laughs> oh boy, you ready? yes okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the newest episode of Rabbit Holes Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Elise. And I'm your other host, Andy. And welcome to the show. Welcome. We are meeting a little bit later than planned. Yes. Because Andy's life is a bit of a gong show. Always, but right now, yeah. Especially so. Uh, And we have two episodes to record today, as usual. So, um, quick updates on life. Uh, So, the person I am covering is not coming back. At least right now. Oh, okay. Because the due date for her first comeback date was the 21st. And she would have had to give notice that she was coming back. Yeah. And so, yeah. I don't know. My contract says till November 1st, so I'm there till November 1st at least. Maybe a bit longer than that. Yeah. Happy? Yeah. 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 There's not really a whole lot of other... I mean, we're also recording this, so, like, what are you going to say? Like, no, not really? Like... (laughs) I am happy. It'd be nice when, um, so right now there's a group of meetings happening and the person had done a lot of the stuff. So it was a lot of me trying to figure out what was done and what wasn't done and finishing up and finishing it up with the next set of meetings. There wasn't that much done. So it's a lot less of me figuring out what was done and more doing your job doing it. So I'm looking forward to that. Right. Um, so that'll be fun. I think, but yeah. uh, it's different being downtown. Transit yeah. last week was a bonkers. Yeah. At least this week seems to be a little bit better, although I should not have taken transit today because I had to backtrack my ass an hour. Yeah. But uh, whatever. <laughs> At like three o'clock, I was like, I should have asked Andy or suggested to Andy just like go get your car at lunch. She, he would have lost the entire hour. But it was like three o'clock and I was just like, well, if she had a time machine for that, like she might as well have had the time machine for... <laughs> So my computer kept crashing this morning, and then I was like, you need to do a bunch of critical updates. So I started them, and I went into a meeting thinking... Be done when you came out? 2% after an hour meeting. Dang, yo. So I was like, I'll go get a drink. And they're like, oh, we need you to do this and this really urgently. It was already done, but someone had, like, lost their email, so they were... So I went and got on to... But it was, like, 11 o'clock, so it was, like, quarter after 11, so I was like, I'll just take an early lunch didn't happen so then I was like working a little bit on the stories and a little bit and I didn't actually take a lunch mm-hmm. because I was like working a little bit on the story and working like some like something would come up and then I do that and then yeah. I so it's just I'm looking forward to a more structured day because yesterday was a gong show today was a gong show yeah but yeah welcome to life <laughs> I know it's like my normal life but having a month off was both lovely and not so much yeah 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 I can see that but let's dive into our stories. Yeah. Because uh, our next episode is the Halloween episode. Ooh. And I don't want to finish too late because yeah. I don't want to have the willies when I'm trying to go to sleep. <laughs> These are serious considerations I have. <laughs> I was like, should I ask Andy if we could record that episode first just so like I can get the palate cleanser of the rest? But like, no, I, I think I'll be a grown up and we'll stick with the right order of things. I think next time we record, we're going to have to record three. I'll just see how, like, hunting season, uh, vacation time for Dan falls. We might need to find a weekend, maybe. Do it, like, during the day or on a Friday so we can go super late. Yeah. Okay. So. Alrighty. Well, I went first last time, so that means you get to go first this time. So tell me a story. 
So I fell down the rabbit hole of pot again. Yeah. <laughs> One year after was, its legalization. Yeah. So happy weed anniversary, Canada. <laughs> yeah. Happy weed anniversary, Canada. <laughs> so this is our first year with legal weed, and the country did not implode. Mm-mm. Uh, and uh, many people have enjoyed the freedom of its legality, and, but um, let's look at what this last 12 months has meant. It's meant my weekends have been very relaxed. Yes. But other than that, what has it meant? <laughs> so last year there was a lot of hype about what this would mean for the country and the economy, and the think tank at Deloitte predicted that the legal pot sales would be as high as $4.34 billion. You sure it wasn't four point six billion? <laughs> no. <laughs> Where did that number come from? I have no idea. <laughs> but the real number was closer to five hundred and twenty-four million. No, so they were way off. <laughs> not even close. <laughs> or Deloitte underestimate. Or no, someone at Deloitte's dealer was charging them way too much, and so they made an extrapolated guess. And now they have serious questions about Ray J. Like, what were you doing? <laughs> Um, so, you know, which is still nothing to sneeze at, but a far cry from the 4.34 billion, which I still don't know where they would have come up with that number. Maybe they looked at Colorado or Amsterdam and tried to extrapolate based off of population numbers. I mean, those are both places that had good rollout plans or well-established legal industries. Yes. Um, so one of the reasons sales have been so slow is, as I just said, the painful rollout. Provinces with the with more physical stores have done better in terms of sales, even though they have oh. smaller populations. Oh, okay. Provinces, uh, the, the big provinces like Ontario, um, Quebec, BC, they've lagged behind. And so they're actually less numbers. Got it. Ontario, just before uh, legalization, made a sharp left turn in terms of their plan after the provincial election, threw out the old plan, brought in a new plan, took a long time, still painfully slow. There's about like three stores in Ottawa. There's four or five stores in Toronto. Yeah. So they didn't take so much of a left turn as a dramatic right turn in terms of politics. True. (laughs) But I just mean policies. Like, yeah, they yeah, just... Yeah. Still, it was a pretty right turn. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it was just... Uh, like, they, they had a plan. It wasn't a great plan, but they just went... Yeah. To throw it out the window with, you know, the bath... Baby it with the bathwater. Which was this government's policy on everything. That is true. Uh, so, compare... So, right now, uh, there's only 25 stores in the whole province of Ontario. Okay. That is compared to 660 LCBOs, or liquor stores, and 200 LCBO agency stores. So think of your small town store that also has a liquor store in it. Right. That's the agency stores. My small town has one. Right. So that's... And the original plan was to roll it out with the LCBO stores, right? Well, it's sort of the same... Um, no, but they were physically going to put pot shops into those. No, they were going to put them near, but they actually weren't part of the LCBO. Oh, the beer okay. store is actually owned by a totally different group. Yeah. But uh, they were going to use the same model and use the oh, same yeah. employees and use the same sort of system. Right. But they decided, no, they were going to go to private. They would put in an application. A very conservative, small government, big business Kind of Which, I mean, makes model. sense, but they already had a plan. And the infrastructure. And the infrastructure to actually roll out more stores. Anyways, so there should be more stores rolling out in the next year, but still very small amounts. Same thing, Quebec only has 25 storefronts as well. So 52 stores in the two largest populated provinces in Canada. Yeah. That does not make sense. Uh, as I said, in Ottawa, there's three stores. I have not gone yet, but I will in the next couple of weeks because it's actually only 11 minutes walk from my office. There you go. Yeah, one of them. Uh, ordering online, especially in the first uh, throws of it, has been very problematic. Uh, so they've had shortages at the start. The level of unease with ordering an online product that could be illegal again in the future. So people don't want to throw their names into a database that could be eventually used against them. Right. Or people have had run in with 
say, the government on drug issues before all of a like, sudden just weirded out by the fact that now I'm buying drugs from the government when the government threw me in jail for buying drugs. drugs. Yeah. That's, I see that. Yeah. The same drugs. Yeah. So, I mean, there's some people who are just, just like, you know what, I'm just not comfortable with this. And I get it. Especially for those people who had loved ones in jail or were in jail for drug-related offenses themselves. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, the whole, does it come on time, the pot through the postal service? Yeah. If you're going to order pot via the mail, you have to be a very organized stoner to make sure you never run out. And exactly. Like, that's a challenge. That's a challenge for me sometimes. <laughs> And also, then you get uh, the side eye from your post office lady every time you go and pick up your third order in a month. Yeah. The first couple months were awkward, but after that, I think, like, enough people in the area were ordering where she was, like, cool with it. Because we went downtown, quote-unquote, to pick up food last time we recorded, and somebody was hotboxing the village. I know. (laughs) It was delightful. Mel was just everywhere. Everywhere. So I think she's gotten used to it. Although today I was picking up a package of books, and she was like, oh, I haven't seen you in a while. <laughs> I was like, damn it. <laughs> it's true. I ordered a lot of weed the last time I put it in order. <laughs> well, I mean, at least with our new plays, they have the boxes. You still have to show your ID to get it. Now, uh, we didn't <clears throat> the last time. I think the first time we got it, it was just left at our place. Also, small town, and they know us. Yeah, okay, but if anyone at Canada Post hears this and backtracks, I'm pretty sure your postal carrier will get a slap on the wrist. Because it is legit the law that you have to show ID. The one time I was home to accept delivery, she insisted on seeing my ID. Oh. Because I had to pick it up. You have to show ID, like a license, and you have to sign for it. So Lord love your postman. it's been a long time. (laughs) We haven't bought... Weed through the mail in a while. Yeah. <laughs> I don't use it quite as much. I had my vape pen for a long time. And yes. I loved that thing. It was so sad when it died. <laughs> and it also might kill me. So, you know. Uh, one last point on the money side. The pot companies whose stock was as high as its customers last year have taken a sharp decline. Yeah. With it dipping this year when most of these companies are, uh, well, not making the returns they projected. They're still making lots of revenue. It's just most of these companies have invested a lot in capital expenditures instead of making profits. So um, they're slow growth and not quite uh, giving the returns to the investors that they've promised. It's a new industry. My finance guy was like, don't invest. It's too new to... Yeah, and like, it's great if you had bought, say, stocks in tweed before it went legal and then sold all those stocks immediately immediately (laughs) and (laughs) cashed out when it was high yeah i don't think anyone's really shocked also so blah 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 blah, to find out that the black market was not wiped out overnight of course not for one thing illegal weed legal weed is twice the price of black market weed and with services that will now deliver to your driveway from an online portal, this exists. <laughs> it's easier to access than, say, legal weed when you run out at 11 o'clock at night and need someone to deliver. Not that I've actually had it delivered to my driveway. Right. Other friends have. See, I'm just not cool enough to know about these sources. So the next time it happens where Sober Elise can't get her shit together to, like, benefit stoned lease later on down the road and I need some in a hurry, I'm calling you. Yes. Because <laughs> I know people yeah. who know these things. Um, so sometimes it's way easier to um, access, say, legal weed and then and now than even it was, say, before it became legal last year. It's just these sort of gray markets, these things are popping up and because the perception of weed has changed, these things are becoming more visible. Right. But yes, literally like Uber Eats, but it's Uber Weed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think the, I think the perception of weed is changing. I don't think it's changed yet. But completely. even I think, no, not probably completely, but even like when I was buying your bong last Christmas. Right. Um, they had packaged it up and went to give it to this, like, older Asian lady. Right. 
and the daughter had to be like, no, no. Because they were like, oh, Boxy. They, and I was like, nope, that's my bong. Yeah. And uh, she was like, oh, very pretty. And I was like, thank you. And then they're just like, you know. Right. It's legal now. It's very differently because I think the mom was just like, oh, my goodness, what's going on? Right. <laughs> Buying it for a friend. Um, so it's just like that sort of, you know, I did that on Black Friday while I was Christmas shopping. Yeah. So the bong was just. You know, thrown in the bag with the Disney store Stuff, toys. So yeah. so, yeah. Over time, as the cost of legal weed comes down, access to it becomes easier. And maybe it's not a point, uh, uh, a campaign point around every election, the black market will decrease. I don't think it'll ever totally go away. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see what happened in Amsterdam and Colorado and the other states that are like Alaska. Like, how long it took for the black market to kind of shrink. Yeah, because I don't think it'll shrink overnight. And I think the more accepted it becomes and the less, like, a campaign point. Like the abortion issue, where every campaign, it's just like, we're going to take that away if we win. Like, yeah. once that becomes not a point, even though the abortion issue has still been a point, you know, like, even with booze and smokes... A black market has never 100% gone away. Very true. Very true. Like, you can still get... Singles from Cornwall and, yeah. You know, we used to work with someone who smoked... Freezer bag stuffed full of cigarettes without a box around them in her purse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) From a reserve. Yeah. Lucy's, yeah. (laughs) Well, it was a freezer bag that was shaped like cigarettes, so... You could, like, legit see them. She was not hiding them. (laughs) They were sitting on the top of her purse. And I've seen them at her house. The bag that they came in was, like... My uncle used to run those. (laughs) Massive. Like, two feet. Um, As with any business, there's lawsuits and regulation scandals. So, cannabis producer Can Trust Holdings said just as recently as this Monday that it would destroy about $12 million worth of plants and about $65 million worth of inventory as companies' new management seeks to regain full regulatory compliance. Wow. Health Canada had frozen over half of CanTrust's stock of marijuana and cancelled CanTrust's license to produce and sell cannabis in September, months after it found out the the company was illegally cultivating pot. Hmm. Want to know what they did that was so bad? Grew too much of it? They had pot growing in unlicensed greenhouses. Right, yeah. With potentially unlicensed seeds. Yeah. A lot of their upper management got canned. Over it? Yeah. I can can see why they did it, trying to capitalize on this new market, and I can see the government wanting to crack down, because you have to. It's like a toddler. Like, the first toe over the line is the most dangerous, because that's where they start gaining momentum, and after that, you gotta reel them in fast. And canopy growth, tweed canopy growth, is embroiled in a lawsuit where they sued a company they were working with in the U.S., and then that company countersued... And it was over, I think it's an edible type of product. Okay. Um, but yes, they're ju- that's just unfolding right now. So they sued, then the other company countersued. So we should see how that falls. I'm also sure the provincial government levied some sort of fine against them for their too much growth. Unlicensed grow up. Maybe. They, they have been building a lot, right? They built a lot of greenhouses, but they're building all over the world. Yeah. But uh, they also haven't met Target's Constellation Brands. Right. I'd like them to make a little bit more money. They're with Constellation Brand? Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay. One of their, isn't one of their main investors. <laughs> All right. It's going mainstream in a big, bad way. It is. <laughs> but I mean, one of the things is, like in Canada, because we have those very tight marketing rules. Yes. Unlike in the States, we can't get Jay and Silent Bob's secret stash, stash... Two or three lines. Yeah. Even though Snoop Dogg does have a partnership with Tweed, they can't promote. Yeah. They just bring him in to do concerts in small town Smith Falls. Right. 
Yeah. Also, though, like, it's Snoop Dogg. <laughs> like, even if you're not being able to buy his line, James Isla Bob, like, you're still going to buy product from someone, so. Yeah. But you're not going to be able to buy, like, the specialty bongs and Did the special package. Did you see the THC rating on the new Jay and Silent Bob strain? No. It was high enough, Andy, that I was afraid to try it. <laughs> we can't try it anyway. But... Even if I could, I don't think I would touch it with a 10-foot pole. The number really scared me. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it, it was up over 30 or 40 percent. And I was just like, this is too much. Too much. <laughs> That's how we end up with Tusk. Yes. I mean, I once smoked a little bit too much of a strain of Kush and could barely stand up to make it to the couch where I collapsed and then had to choose between watching TV or listening to TV and I couldn't do both at the same time. You would not survive on that. No. <laughs> um... <laughs> The border is still having problems, but mostly boomers. Uh, borders, and borders and customs officials from the U.S. are asking people about their past and past use as opposed to their current use. Right. Because it's still a criminal record. And if you're going to go through the border, you have to declare a criminal record. Of or even like if you've ever smoked marijuana. So this is a story that I'll tell you. So take this story, for example. <clears throat> Barry Ruff, a resident of Langley, B.C., said he received a lifetime ban from the U.S. last August after he told border officials that he last smoked marijuana 18 years ago. <laughs> Ralph 61 was traveling to Washington to offer addictions counseling to indigenous oh. groups, but border off, uh, officials denied his entry to the U.S. They asked me if I'd ever done drugs, and I just told the truth. I didn't want to lie. He said, so he told them, yes, I smoked marijuana 18 years ago. Four hours later, I was escorted across the border after I was fingerprinted, frisked, pictures taken, and asked a thousand questions. The same question a thousand times. He hired a lawyer to help him apply for a waiver to enter the United States. His family has a vacation property in Palm Springs, California, and he wanted to visit there later this year. He estimates that the waiver process will cost him around $2,000 that cost includes legal fees, criminal records check, and he is expected to write a letter of remorse for smoking Ugh. marijuana 18 years ago. Jeez Louise. Ruff warned other Canadians that they could face the same circumstances. If you say you've tried it, you're at risk of going through the same process I went through, he said. Oh, and this like, waiver process? He has to redo this every time he wants to go into the States. Yikes. Edibles! So, uh, the second phase of the journey this month, where they will roll rolling out phase two. This month? Yeah, October. Yes. Uh, so, my, my journey through the self made edible has not been going well. <laughs> I could have probably so. Um, so, new products will be uh, available on the legal side this month, and that's edibles which covers a lot of things. So regulation on edible cannabis will not allow more than 10 milligrams of THC per packaged product. Also, no added vitamins or minerals can be allowed, as well as no nicotine or added alcohol. A limit is being placed on caffeine. <laughs> Self-defeating. I know. <laughs> They're also not allowed to have any dietary claims. Cannabis edibles cannot be produced in the same facility as non-infused food, so as to limit cross-contamination. Makes sense. Health Canada could not comment, oh, sorry, this is from an article, specifically on gummy products during a telephone conference call with media, though they did say that they would evaluate them on a case-by-case -case basis. Any product determined to appeal to young people, such as gummy products, would be found not in compliance and they could face penalties. Now, I do know that Tweed is working with Hummingbird Chocolate from Elmont mm -hmm. to produce chocolate bars. Now, this should taste really good because Hummingbird has won awards. They yep. are one of the top chocolatiers in the world. Yeah. They are a small batch. They come from various bird sanctuaries, these cacao... Cacao? Cacao plants. Thank you. I just had a stroke. <laughs> um, and they're all usually like um, 
reserves, forest preserves. Right. So it's all like sustainable, fair trade. No yeah, pesticide. But because, you know, Tweed was very set for this aspect of it. Because, yes. you know, they are in an old Hershey, Hershey factory. factory. <laughs> uh, concentrates. So cannabis concentrates can both be ingested through capsules or inhaled through vaping. Which this girl likes. <laughs> Ingested cannabis concentrates cannot contain more than 10 milligrams of THC per dose, though can be sold in packages of up to a hundred milli- or sorry, up to a thousand milligrams. Vape concentrates can only can- contain up to 1,000 milligrams of THC as well. The maximum package size is 90 milliliters for liquid extracts, if under 3% THC, and 7.5 for solid extracts, if over 3% THC. Again, these products cannot have added vitamins, minerals, nicotine, alcohol, caffeine, sugars, colors, or sweeteners. Hmm. They're going to taste bland. (laughs) Well, I mean... The fun part of the weed is the munchies you have afterwards, not the actual weed itself. Topicals. So this is where um, weed massages come in. Okay. Tell me your thing and then I'll tell you my thing about that. Uh, Topicals are cannabis products applied to the skin, hair, or nails. As with concentrates, packages must not contain more than 1,000 milligrams of THC. They can... Uh, they can contain no nic- they cannot contain nicotine or alcohol and are only used on skin hair and nails they are not to be used or advertised for use in eyes or on damaged skin duh <laughs> I don't know why they had to say that but anyway they did so yes now you tell me your thing so when weed first became legal I was seeing my friend uh, Diana who is a masseuse so if you're in the Ottawa area hit up poise massage therapy because I will drive I am driving like an hour out of my way to see her. That's how good she is. So when it first came out, I said, are you going to do the whole weed massage thing? Because now weed is legal. She's like, I would love to accept our regulatory college on the 18th of October, put out a letter saying there was absolutely no way they were going to approve us to do any sort of weed massage. So we cannot buy the product. If the customer brings the product in and asks us to use it, we can't use it without risking our license. So the market might be there and the industry might be there, but the regulatory college is telling them no way in hell. And that's even still right now? Because, like, it was a year ago, so maybe. Well, because the topicals wouldn't have been legal last year either. But still, because they were saying if the customer brought it in themselves, which then it's not the, the masseuse doing the, or the RMT doing the purchasing. So it might be changing, but you and I have worked with a healthcare regulator. How quickly do they move? And how responsive are they to... Snails and sloths move faster. So. <laughs> exactly. So uh, next time I see her, I will ask again. But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be very surprised if even if the market and the industry are providing the product, yeah. that the college is going to allow them to do it. It doesn't get you high. It's just supposed no. to also sort of like a um, tiger bomb idea. Yeah. Just help relax the muscles. Um, so again, the country has not imploded. However... Things like arrests for driving while stoned are pretty much non-existent because did you realize that police aren't really equipped to do the saliva tests? Yes. That was one of their main concerns when they got closer to the rollout date for legalization is that the police associations are were straight up saying, we don't know how to test for this. We have nothing. They do have. But like nothing that yeah. they can widely use. They can widely use them. They just don't own kits. So I get... That's what I mean. Yeah, like... Again, I go back to, it's not like this came out of nowhere. How did these police forces not go, you know what? We need to buy a bunch of these kits. Expensive. Wasn't in their budget. (laughs) Again, so then don't come back to me and say we can't test for this because you were too cheap to buy the things to test for this. True. Um, I had heard through the grapevine that the hospital in the region, the emergency department was treating someone who had been in a car accident and one of the local cops showed up just full of himself, demanding that they take blood tests and saliva tests to check if this guy was on THC. And the nurses told him to go shove it because they were absolutely not going to do that. And he was like, well, I'm going to come in and arrest you if you don't do it. And the nurses are like, go ahead. Let's see if that sticks. 
I almost lost my mind when they were relating the story to me. And I was just like, I want that guy's badge number. I want his office, like his commanding officer's name. I am running this up the flagpole. They're like, we already did. <laughs> like, so when someone is suspected of drunk driving, they have, you know, a roadside sobriety test. They yes. have breathalyzers and the blood tests usually come back very quickly. Yes. For... And if you decline to take it, it's a presumption of guilt. With marijuana, THC... Um, the blood test ticket take months to come back. Right. Because it's a much slower process. Yeah. But the saliva tests are much faster. But again, like I said, the police boards were too, didn't have it in their budget. The government didn't give them any money. So again, you didn't, you saw this coming. Nobody thought to say maybe spend some money on it. Right. Um, so don't, as the police force, come and tell me how... They don't, they aren't equipped. It's like, no, no, you know how to solve this problem. Right. You just aren't. I'd be interested to see if the numbers of suspected traffic stops for driving while impaired has increased or not. Because hmm. it's not something I've heard of. And small town newspaper, if it crossed the blotter that somebody got picked up, suspected of being stoned while driving, it, it'd have been on page like two or three. That is true. You do have a crime report in your local paper. <laughs> I, we do. It is delightful. Uh, last week, some guy was speeding and then led the police on a high-speed chase into a cow field. <laughs> Ditched his car and tried hiding in one of the little crops of trees that grew in the middle of it. You need to start collecting these and then just do like a, an episode on where we read... Small town news stories. Small town crime stories. <laughs> I'll... Good idea. I will start collecting. Because of that? It was bonkers, because I'm also on, like, the local Facebook group for the village. Which is also hilarious. Yes. And the son of one of the more prominent families actually saw it happen and was, like, live tweeting it on Facebook the entire time. He was, like, standing on the side of the road watching the cops do it. My small town is not that interesting. <laughs> really is not. First week I lived here, we had an armed robbery at the pet store of all places. There's a serial killer operating in the region. It's wild out here. <laughs> wild. <laughs> We're so much more tame on my side. <laughs> We're not in French. Uh, it's not too, too French out here. Um, it's the border. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like to blame the Americans, even though all those people were Canadians, but still. <laughs> Just seeping over. Yeah. <laughs> So, one year later, again, the world has not ended. Uh, nobody's made as much money as they thought, but a new industry from nothing is slow to grow. Yeah. I mean, lots of people are taking advantage of it. Yep. Someone was saying, um, I didn't read the article, but they had a, they had a date with their 74-year-old grandma, to Jewish grandma, to go check out edibles once they become awesome live i would like to come with that person so <laughs> bubby what do you think of these i would love to be a fly on that wall <laughs> like i i think uh, edibles are going to be interesting i think hopefully people will be cognizant of how long an edible takes to take effect right although like, 10 milligrams is not like you you'd have to eat a lot of them um but also, I worry as a parent yeah. about having edibles in my house because right now they look at the bong and they call it mommy's potion bottle. I am not kidding you. <laughs> I forgot to put it away one day. And, and my oldest asked me if we make potions in that and I said, yes, mommy does. <laughs> mommy's very special potion, potion bottle. That you can never touch or have until you're 19. Yeah. Uh, that's like Victoria calls Pepsi mommy's beer. Nice. <laughs> Um, but just, they could come across, they both love gummy bears, they both love chocolate, like... Yeah, but, like, the same goes for, like, creme de menthe, or melon liqueur. Like, it looks fun times, and the melon liqueur is fun times, the creme de menthe, not so much, but, like, it's still, like, the adults in the environment's responsibility to make sure that it's not yeah. accessible. So, like, we had a lock on the bar when I was growing up. The key was in the lock, but if there was any ever concerns, <laughs> my dad could have removed it. So it's just a new 
I know. It's like people all over Twitter, like the the far right older in the last week or so has been like, all these edibles coming out for Halloween. Be careful. Kids are going to start getting them in their Halloween baskets. No one's going to give that out for free. This that was way too much. That was the response of like Twitter under 30 or under 35. They're like, are you kidding me? But yeah. So yeah, I'm looking forward to the edibles. Someone try some. Like I take um, weed oil when I get home on Fridays. Usually within about a half hour, it's starting to hit, which is just when the pizza is starting to arrive, which is nice. But yeah, it doesn't last. Well, maybe it's because I throw the smoke on top of it, but like it doesn't seem to affect me too bad. So it'd be interesting to see if an actual edible is a different beast. Yeah. I don't like gummies, so it's going to have to be chocolate, I guess. Darn. I know. <laughs> Poor you. <laughs> so that's my story. Cool, cool, cool. All right. So for my story this week, um, last weekend I was reading The Testaments, which is the sequel to Margaret Atwood's The Handmaiden's Tale. I thought you were talking about the Old Testament. I was going to be like, what are you doing? I have tried to read that. Plot holes on page one convinced me that it wasn't worth my time. But that's another story for another day. So if you're not familiar, the world of The Handmaid's Tale is set in the nearish future in the States, where a religious coup overthrew the government and cracked down on society, making sure everyone lived a very traditional slash repressive life. A huge part of that crackdown was on women, one aspect of which is that they are no longer allowed to read because our minds aren't strong enough. So one of the characters, one of the female characters in the Testaments was killing some time by playing a solitaire using a deck of cards that had no letters or numbers on it. Because even that was too dangerous for her weak lady mind to be exposed to. And the Testaments Atwood talked a little bit about the history of playing cards, uh, which got me thinking, and then traveling down a rabbit hole. So today I'm looking at cards. Cool. Playing cards. Uh, and then tarot cards as well. So really, this is how rabbit holes happen in my mind. But by the way, the Testaments, amazing book. Of course, it's Margaret Atwood. Highly recommend. What? I'm not a big Margaret Atwood fan. Okay, well, you have poor taste. <laughs> I'm not a very good Canadian. I do not have poor taste. <laughs> uh, so let's start with the basics. What do I mean when I talk about cards? So from Wikipedia, basically it's a, pace, a piece of specialty paper, usually a pasteboard, um, or a heavy paper, thin cardboard, plastic coated paper, or thin plastic that is marked with distinguishing motifs. Often the front or the face and the back of each card has a finish to make uh, handling easier, and they are most commonly used for playing card games, but are also used to perform magic tricks. Wikipedia felt the need to say that they're also used to make card towers. I did not feel the need to put those in my notes. But we just said it. Yeah. <laughs> Damn you, Wikipedia. Uh, some cards. You mean House of Cards? Yeah. <laughs> what did I say? Card house? Card towers. But card no, tower. I just mean like right. cards are used to make a house of cards. cards? Yes. Who would have thunk it, right? Yeah. <laughs> It's right there in the title. Uh, some cards, some types of cards, such as tarot cards, are also used for divination, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. Playing cards are typically palm-sized for convenient handling, and usually are sold together in a set of a deck or as a pack, and it's apparently a thing for people to collect loose playing cards, especially in big cities. Like, once you start collecting, like, just off the ground, like oh. just a card here or there, and apparently once you start looking for them, you start seeing them everywhere. This is a thing I've heard of, but I digress. So some history, because it's me, and of course, uh, historians have traced the modern playing card back to the Tang Dynasty of the 9th century in China, and they were printed using woodblock printing. A closer link to our modern deck comes from Persia or Arabia around the 10th century. Here, the four suits that we know today had their start. Um, so their decks had those four suits and then two face cards and they were called the court cards and they were a king and a vizier with the bottom 10 in a suit being known as the pip cards. So just uh, low kind of chip numbers. They're called pip cards even mm -hmm. now, which I never heard that term and I had to figure it out. But To make things more challenging uh, in those uh, Persian slash Arabian versions, two of the suits used reverse ranking for the pip cards. So 1 through 10 and then 10 through 1 in value. Can you imagine trying to like sort that out when oh, you're God playing no. cards? No, <laughs> me either. <laughs> no. 
Uh, by the 11th century, playing cards had moved into Egypt, and the oldest surviving cards in the world come from that region and are dated to around the 12th to the 13th century. Resulting from its traded roots, it's probably no surprise that the first instance of cards in Europe popped up in the southern areas of Italy in the early 13, well, mid-1300s, as early as 1366. They made it up to Switzerland by 1377 and into Paris by 1380. So it took less than 20 years for these cards to spread around. And they were popular back in the day. Yes, uh, possibly because it became a royal pastime by 1393, when the treasurer of the household of Charles the Sixth of France bought three sets of the cards, as recorded in the household accounts at the time. Hmm. So it's a quick way to make sure your product gets spread around, is get the most popular person in town to use them. Armard, uh, wow. Our modern suits developed around this time, as the suits that were sometimes represented on the cards that came out of the Middle East represented items that Europeans had no knowledge about. So, for example, there was a suit of polo sticks in Latin decks, so the decks coming out of Italy, like, think horse and Prince William and Harry knocking around. Yeah, 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 no, I... I Northern... Oh, it took me a while to put two and two together what the fuck a polo stick was, so... <laughs> Um, no, I, I, I gotcha. Uh, Northern Europeans didn't play the game. Had no clue what the hell that was. So they morphed that suit into the clovers in France. Okay. But by the time it made it to England, uh, the English kept the French clover icon, but went back to using the Latin term, which is why we still call clovers clubs. Hmm. I had a real like, oh, moment when I read that fact. Yeah, I had no idea why we called it clubs. Right. But it looked like that. Yeah, but... There it is. Uh, and then you remember how the Persian slash Arabian deck only had two royal cards? Well, it was the Europeans who added the third of the queen and changed the vizier to the jack, which was originally understood to be a prince to better reflect their own socio-political structure. The functionality has changed over time as well. It was only in the late 1700s that the number slash letter of the card started being printed on the top corner, allowing you to hold them tightly together in one hand. Before that, you usually had to hold them with both hands and spread out so you could see what you were holding. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. In 1745, a French card maker decided to make the face cards reversible, but the French government who controlled the design of playing cards at that time shut that shit down and forced that French maker to stop making the king and queen go upside down and downside up. I don't know why. <laughs> There's probably something to do with the fact that a king and a queen would be upside down. Or they weren't able to get money off of the change of some kind. Meh. Uh, the trend seemed to have been widespread by the 1800s, however. Um, and so that's why we now have the upside down kings and queens. By the mid-1800s, the corners of cards were rounded off for two reasons. So before that, they had the hard, sharp corners. But they changed that because, one, the cards would last longer that way. I mean, just the wear and tear of those hard corners. And the second reason is sharp corners make it dog-eared with use, showing your opponent what cards you had in your hands. It's less likely to happen with a rounded edge. Mm. Let's talk suits. The French deck, which is what we use in North America, has hearts, tiles, is technical name for diamonds, clovers, which are clubs, and pikes for spades but those are the official names. If you ever need a trivia, hey, do you know what the official names of card decks are called? They're hearts, tiles, clovers, and pikes. Germans have hearts, bells, acorns, and leaves, while the Italian and the Spanish have cups, coins, clubs, and swords, and Swiss Germans have roses, bells, acorns, and shields. Hmm. So you can kind of see a similar pattern shape, like leaves and shields looking like a pike, like yeah. spades, so. Numerologists rejoice because there's some interesting details in the decks of cards for you. So while the size of decks vary between 24 and 56, depending on the location and time frame you're looking at, modern decks have 52 because that was the French style and colonialism was a thing. So they are the ones, they and the British spread them around and it became the standard deck. There are 52 cards and 52 weeks in a year. And when you add up all the symbols in a deck of cards, you get 365. I did not do the math on that because it's math, but I saw that on a couple of websites, so I'm assuming it's okay to repeat. If you're a math nerd out there and you go, oh no, she's wrong, don't at me. <laughs> Just don't. I didn't do the math. 
There are four suits, which match up to the four seasons, and each suit is linked to one of the main elements in our world. So hearts are linked to water, diamonds to earth, clubs to wind, and spades to fire, which is important when you get into using cards for divination. Mm -hmm. Some fun facts. The King of Hearts is depicted with a sword by his head that makes it look like he's stabbing himself with it. So he's known as the Suicide King. So if you ever have someone ask you for the where the Suicide King card is, he's referring to the King of Spades. Sorry, King of Hearts. That would have been good to know back when uh, I used to play a lot of, play badly, a lot of Teclas Hold'em Poker. There you go. Did it come up a lot? Or just, like, one-eyed jacks. So you'd make the one-eyed yes. jacks being wild. And, like, we used to play a lot with Deanne's parents and their friend. And they used to play all kinds of, like, crazy takes crazy on rolls. poker. Yeah. Mm, makes sense. Uh, the King of Hearts is the kind of the wild card in the deck. Because he's also the only king showing both of his hands. One is holding the sword and the other is resting on his belly. And the King of Hearts is the only one without a moustache. Moustache. A moustache. The Queen of Spades is the only card in a deck that faces to the right, and the Jack of Clubs is unique because he's the only one with a feather in his cap. Hmm. Some other fun facts for you. In England, on October 22nd, 1628, King Charles I granted a royal charter for the establishment of the, quote, worshipful company of makers of playing cards, making it one of the earliest trade guilds in the city. They are still in operation today and have a website. No! <laughs> and you're like, and I looked at it, and now we're going to learn about it. I did. <laughs> uh, the City of London granted the company its livery on November 27, 1792, which limited the number of card makers in the city that could legitimately make these cards to 150. That's still a lot. It's a lot. But this is the height of the empire. Mm, so... And the biggest kind of population center in Europe. So it kind of makes sense. And yeah. Still, that's a lot of people just making it is. cards. Uh, cards were so popular at the time that the crown saw a chance to make money on it, of course, and slapped a tax on them that lasted until 1960. Hmm. Yeah. The motto for the worshipful company is Corde Recto Ileti Omnes, meaning with an upright heart, all will be exalted. I have no clue what that has to do with cards. I was just going to say, that has absolutely nothing, nothing to do with cards. But I'm sure it looks real fancy in that print. <laughs> uh, the, the company has branched out in recent years, well, decades slash centuries, and now includes card collectors, dealers, bridge players, magicians, and other professions that rely on cards. So, board games as well are starting to creep in to their membership. I guess it's hard going keeping your website running when you have a small membership pool. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if there's 150 people <laughs> now making, <laughs> making cards. Like, I mean, I'm sure they went through a resurgence because, like, um, poker did become very popular in, like, the 2000s. Yes. But, like, America and China are now the big producers of everything in the world. So yeah. How many of those liveried companies, guild members, are still in London is debatable. <laughs> well, exactly. Other fun facts. You can buy decommissioned decks from Vegas casinos. And we picked up a bunch when we were down there. We were staying at the Bellagio. So, like, growing up after that, all card games were played with Bellagio cards. Uh, during a slow period, a deck can last up to 12 hours on the casino floor. But if it's busy, it's not uncommon to retire a deck after only an hour of play. And this is to make sure that any distinguishing marks like scuffs or bends don't benefit the players. Uh, in World War II, special decks of bicycle cards were given to American POWs that when you peel them apart and put them together in a particular manner, they created a map of the area that would assist in an escape. Hmm. So there were some pictures online and it looked like you just like peeled off what, like the top layer of the card. And when you like put them all together, you got a topographical map. Very cool. Because the Red Cross was able to give supplies to POWs so they were able to get them these decks of cards just as entertainment type of thing. Very cool. Uh, you know how in Vietnam War movies you often see an American GI with a card stuck in his helmet? It's usually the Ace of Spades and that's because there was an urban legend at the time that said that the Viet Cong were superstitious of that card in particular and won't run away if they saw it. Of course it's not true but, like, it was an urban legend that has made it into Forrest Gump and Tropic Thunder. And, 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 like, every USGI in Vietnam had a friend with, like, the Ace of Spades on his head. 
Finally, there is no right or wrong way to shuffle a deck of cards. Because of the number of possibilities in a shuffle, and you have to think the number eight with 67 zeros after it, or the number of possible orders that you can get the deck in, it's quite possible that no deck of cards has ever been in the exact same order in all of human history. I don't know who like did the math on that. Again, it's a math thing and yeah. neither one of us do math. No, no, but eight with 67 zeros on it, kind of want to agree. <laughs> Again, we'll just take that at face value. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's all that I have about standard playing cards. But when I was a teen, I was obsessed with tarot cards, like in a big bad way. Unlike regular playing cards, the history of tarot is harder to pin down. What we do know is that they appeared in Europe and Italy first, and the original name, Tarocci, has no known meaning in terms of origin. Hmm. So it's just one of those weird... Yes. There is a tarot river in, India, in Italy, and that might be it, but there's no etymological research to link the two together. The earlier sets that popped up in Italy were used for regular card games, not for divination. Uh, and they finally became firmly linked to divination by the 16th century. So it took a couple hundred years. 18th century Italian occultists claimed the cards came from Egypt, and the name loosely meant royal road, implying it was a path to wisdom. It was also around that time uh, and into the 19th century that tarot became so firmly linked with the occults. So in 1785, the French occultist Italia whose real name was Jean-Baptiste Alliette, became the first professional tarot diviner. Some of his work is actually still used in card interpretations today. So some of his definitions. Tarot cards are set up very similar to playing cards, as they likely have a similar origin. There are four suits, but in tarot it's the cups, swords, wands or staves, and coins. And there are ten numbered cards, including an ace, and three face cards. But there are major differences. So a full tarot deck has 78 cards. There are 56 minor arcana cards, which are the numbered and face cards, plus an extra face card. So you have ace through 10, and then uh, four face cards. I want to say knave, jack, queen, and king. And then there's 22 major arcana cards, and they're numbered 0 through 22. And the major arcana are about big life-changing ideas and events, uh, whereas the numbered cards are more about everyday life. There are lots of ways to do a reading with tarot cards, but basically here are the steps that I will use using the full deck. And some people use just the major arcana if they have a serious issue at hand, but you get a complete picture with the whole thing. You shuffle the cards, then you break the deck into three piles using your left hand, and then restack them going from right to left. If you need to do a quick reading, then you do a fast three card draw from anywhere in the deck going from left to right. The cards represent the past, present, and future. You can also do a more complex deal for which there are dozens of layouts out there. Regardless of the layout, a card that is upside down uh, to the reader has a negative connotation, whereas if it's upside right, it has a positive because each card has both. Uh, and if you want to ground your layout, you can extract the face card of your deck. Um, sorry, you can extract the face card from your deck that represents you. And there are zodiac signs that slot into each suit. So my face card is the Queen of Hearts because the hearts are the water suit and I'm a Cancer. So you lay that at the bottom of your deal and then you deal out on top of that. It grounds your suit. There are lots of messages and meaning in the major arcana cards. Well, in all of them really, but the major ones are the ones that kind of pop up in like movies and TV shows. And oh no, I found the death card. That means terrible things are coming my way. It's not it that doesn't. at all. So here are some of the more controversial and misunderstood cards. Uh, the Fool usually represents a new beginning and consequently an end to something in your old life. Where that card pops up in your spread reveals which aspect of your life may be subject to change. Uh, the Fool pretends important decisions ahead which may not be easy to make and involve an element of risk for you. Uh, the Hanged Man is a jarring card to see for the first time, although he's hung upside down from one of his feet, not his neck. It can be interpreted in two very different ways. All change is a small kind of death, as the old must die and create the new, and it may simply indicate upheaval or change in your future, perhaps beyond your control, but more likely a decision that, for good or ill, you'll not be able to turn back from. The other interpretation is one of sacrifice, although whether the sacrifice is small or great may not be easily interpreted. Um, let's see. The death card 
it's indicative of change in your future. Uh, change can be in almost any aspect of your life, but will almost certainly be permanent, significant, and absolute. It's not necessarily about the death of a person, just an unchangeable change type of thing. Uh, the devil. Um, because the devil is in the business of entrapment, this card signifies a situation from which there is no escape or a road leading to one. Forewarning may let you avoid the trap, or it may not. What sort of trap and how you'll avoid it depends on where the devil appears in your spread and what other cards surround it. This doesn't foretell doom, only the need for prudence. And the other kind of creepy card that wigs people out a lot is the tower. It's dark and foreboding and is an embodiment of disruption and conflict. Not just change, but the abrupt and jarring movement caused by the unforeseen and traumatic events which are part of life. The tower in your spread is always a threat, but life inevitably involves tragedy, and you must decide whether you will face it with grace. Now, in the traditional Marseille deck, which when I say tarot is probably the one you picture in your head because it's so ubiquitous and so like out there, uh, this card really does look terrible. Like thunder, lightning, tower falling yeah. apart, people falling out of it. In the deck I have, though, it's a pretty friendly card because the deck I have is a pretty friendly pop bubblegum bright colored deck. Yeah. Um, you sometimes get weirdly drawn to some of these cards, and for some reason, the tower card is always the one that drew me the most. And there's no rhyme or reason for it, it's just the card that you feel most connected to. And I think because in my deck it shows the moon and the crab, both of which are part of the Cancer water sign, so I always saw it as a friendly card, regardless of the fact that the tower was falling apart. Like, it was still a friendly card to me. I'm weird, though, so... <laughs> hey, we should have had you uh, do a reading or spread some tar tarot well that leads me to my next point where i said i thought i would do a reading for andy oh yeah <laughs> see this is why we're friends yeah so just have to rearrange the t computer mm. oh, well, there you go okay. uh, i stuffed them back here before you showed up it's going to take me a little bit longer than normal because I'm going to have to look up all of the meanings because it's been a while since I've actually done this. But that's the true secret about tarot is if you memorize the meanings of the cards, you look fancy AF because you seem mysterious. Mm -hmm. But really, if you can memorize 78 of anything and then be able to remember the good side and the bad side of it, you look pretty ball mass, like you know what you're doing. Yeah. So, because this is your spread, you're the one who's going to cut it. And you cut it using your left hand and you create three piles in whatever order, whatever size makes sense to you. Oh, you got fancy with it. Okay. <laughs> now, three cards and lay them out one, two, three in front of you. Not upside right. What? Turn upside right so I can see it. What do you mean this isn't a magic trick? No. <laughs> there we go. Remind me what your uh, birthday is. I'm a Gemini. Gemini. Yeah. Is it a water? No. Earth sign or air sign? We'll have to Google that. I will Google that right now. <laughs> Gemini is an air sign. Air sign. Okay. Okay. So, in your past card, you pulled the Five of Cups. And it is a positive connotation. So, in the past, the cards suggest new knowledge, opportunities, and enjoyment with their roots in the past. An old friend or lover reappears, or there could be a new friendship with links to the past. When uh, yeah, so that's the positive aspect of it. So your past then has been defined with new knowledge and opportunities and enjoyments, which I think fair is fair, yeah. Um, old friends or lovers popped up from time to time. Sure. <laughs> I think we could say all that. Uh, and there could be a link to new friendships with links in the past, hmm. which we've been friends for a while. I think it's yeah. me you'd call that, but also your, my impression of you is when you make friends, you kind of make them for life. Yes, that is very Whether true. Whether we want to keep you or not, and we can't <laughs> shake you. <so. laughs> 
I'm like HPV in that way. <laughs> so your present card is the hangman, also upside right. See, my cards aren't scary at all, are they? No. They're pretty fun. The theme of this card is willing sacrifice entailing hardship, perhaps the renunciation of intellectual superiority or of hatred. It can imply stamina, foresight, a spiritual decision that brings serenity and occult power. Anything ring true? Resonate? Mm. Willing sacrifice? You had those kids. (laughs) That is true. Willingly. (laughs) And oh boy. Uh, Entailing hardship? Yes, I I do again have two children. Perhaps the renunciation of intellectual superiority or of hatred. You're watching a lot of Paw Patrol these days. Oh my god, I'm watching so many children's (laughs) television programs. It can imply stamina, which anyone who sleeps as little as you and then gets on with the day has got a lot of stamina. Foresight. You can usually see where things are headed. Oh yeah. That is one of my actual (laughs) traits. A spiritual decision that brings serenity and occult powers. Sure. So you've got a connection to the the natural and the. I do. Yeah. So I think that's that's a good assessment of your current. And now your future is the King of Wands, and he's in the upside down position. So the King of Wands is a leader with integrity and courage, a man over thirty five with fiery enthusiasm who can be successful in both creative and financial fields. A bad loser, he can be selfish and power hungry. This card also means business success and an unexpected heritage. So when it's upside down, we gotta kind of take the opposite look of it. Awesome. <laughs> I would still think the some of the descriptions of him being a leader with integrity and courage would stick. Someone with fiery enthusiasm, I would stick. Who can be successful in both creative and financial fields, probably still true. A bad loser, he can be selfish and power hungry. I wouldn't throw that definition out. Um, this card also means business success and an unexpected heritage. And that's the one I would kind of flip around. So maybe in the future, you've got to be prudent about your business decisions. So don't start that ferret farm just yet. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and an unexpected heritage. Maybe, I don't know. I can't even begin to access that one. An unexpected heritage? heritage? Yeah, I don't, I don't know where they're going with that one. Me either. But yeah, so that's your future. So the thing with the cards is they're never telling you what you do and what you have to do. Oh, I know. It's more about a an opening. But I think we both know a dude in your life who can be fiery. Yes. <laughs> and stubborn. And stubborn. So maybe don't let him start the ferret farm just yet. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I was like, oh, great. Financial ruin. It's not like I'm building a house or anything. It's not like I'm taking on a big financial. It just means that you have to watch what you're doing. That's all. We will snap a picture for the gram. Oh, that's... I got it. Did you? Yeah. Okay. So... Before I close out my story, just a couple of fun facts about tarot for everyone. Uh, everyone has a birth card associated with the major arcana, and all you have to do to find it is to add up your, your numerical birthday and then add those numbers. So mine, I added seven, seven, one, nine, eight, <coughs> and then I took okay. that number, <laughs> and I added the two digits I got, and then my number turned out to be 10 which is the wheel of fortune and the wheel of fortune just means things can change quite a bit in life which i completely agree with in this past year my life has been up and down like a fucking wheel of fortune so i get that uh tarot cards have elemental signs the major arcana consists of cups for water pentacles for the earth swords for air and wands for fire and you said you're an air mm-hmm. so if you had popped um a sword there uh, I wouldn't have been surprised at all, which is why I was a little shocked when I saw wands in your... Hmm. When's Dan's birthday? April. What's he? So he is a... Oh, it's Earth. Oh. See, here's where we would have to talk to someone who knows more about the stuff than I do, because I wouldn't be surprised if he got a little bit of the fire signs in him, too. <laughs> yeah, his birthday's on that cusp. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's why I wasn't surprised when I saw a fire sign pop for your future card. But there it is. Also, um, both of our kids' birthdays are close to ours. So Victoria definitely has a bit of that fire sign in here. <laughs> and I That'll wouldn't be, be surprised if 
Liz does too, because she's a she's a Cancer. Oh, then she's a water sign like me. Yeah. So. Uh, each major arcana suit, uh, or sorry, each minor arcana suit relates to different issues. So cups, so the cancer, uh, relates to emotional issues, which, I mean, I can fucking cry at the drop of a hat and equally be yelling at you within five minutes. Like, there is no differentiation for me, much like your little goblin at home. (laughs) Oh my god, she's so dramatic! (laughs) Uh, pentacles, which are the earth sign, relate to money and home. So keep that in mind for Dan. That's probably where his mindset goes a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Swords relate to conflict and overthinking. What did we say you were again? I'm an heir. You're an heir. So a sword. Conflict and <laughs> overthinking. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you yeah. overthink. Yeah, that's for sure. I really do overthink things. <laughs> and wands relate to work issues and ambitions. And those are the fire signs. So again, a little bit of Dan in there too. So yeah. So that is my story about playing cards and tarot. Cool. Yeah. So that is our episode for this week. If you would like more information about our show uh, and see our show notes and get to our merch uh, store on Redbubble and our Patreon page, head over to the website, which is www.rabbitholespodcast.com. You can also shoot us an email to let us know about a rabbit hole that you like to fall down or that you are hoping will fall down for you. Our email address is rabbitholespodcast at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on the social medias. We are on Twitter at rabbitholespod. We are on Facebook at rabbitholespodcast page. And we are on Instagram at rabbitholespodcast. We have some fun stuff this week up on uh, the week that we're recording this uh, because it's Muppets and Brady's. And I don't think I put anything up today, though. I did right before you got here. Oh, good. Uh, So, yeah, take a look at some of our past stuff because we're really enjoying this week. So many Muppets, man. So many Muppets. Yeah. Although uh, Dan was very surprised to hear that you had not seen a Muppet family Christmas. I honestly don't think, like, I might have heard of it in passing. I was honestly shocked that you hadn't seen The Treasure Tale, or The Treasure Island. That is true, though. Yeah. So, yeah. Weird. Um, what else am I supposed to say? Oh, if you like what we're doing, um, especially our random rants, send us a review, give us a rating, uh, tell all your friends about us. We love getting new listeners. Uh, we like being popular. Oh, yeah. That is a rather happy card for people who are on That's fire. That's the card I was thinking it was, then. Um, <laughs> I might be thinking the moon. Oh, boy. It's been a Jesus, while. I'm so scattered right now. Yeah, it's the moon. Oh, there you go. I like the moon card. It's got the it has, it does have towers in it, in fairness. Lab. Yeah, it's all good. This is not going to be tight when you have to edit I know. I'm disastrous. Uh, so, I think that's all. In that case, there's only one last thing to do, and that's to remind you that if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. Bye, guys. Bye.